Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. On this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing Season 7, Episodes 15 and 16, Bada Bing, Bada Boom, and... Oh bang. God. Is it bang? Yeah. Okay. Bang. <laughs> Out with the bang, not with the boom. <laughs> I'm not redoing that. And then the other one, Inter Arma Enem Silent Legis. Yes. Oh my lord. And uh, today we also have a very special guest. He, he arrived. He, he made it. He arrived on his very slow uh, <laughs> runabout. Uh... Admiral Antonio is here once Welcome. again. Thank you for having me. Yes. I have been listening to the show, and for the last few weeks, I have found out all these terrible That's lies you guys have been saying about <laughs> me being um, apparently getting drunk at transfer stations. Uh, uh, Matthew said that. That's uh, actually not true. Um, I have taken a long time to get here because. I am a bon vivant of the universe, <laughs> and I like to stop at each transfer station, get to know people, have a drink. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, we understand. You're, yeah. You are a Starfleet admiral. And much like human men, Klingons are better in bed the meaner they are. So <laughs> I have uh, found out. So I've had a good time getting here, but I'm here, and uh, I've watched... The show, and uh, <laughs> I'm ready to, ready to talk about it. Well, well before, before we get into yeah. that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing when you're not being a bomb yes, yes. Well, I am one of the hosts of the comedy podcast BGM, Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men, um, on which you guys have now appeared on your third episode, yes. I yeah. believe. So that's uh, the third or fourth. Third. Yeah. Matthew's done more because yeah. he did a few with Kevin as well. Yeah. Uh, and we just recently recorded our uh, 88th episode with you guys, which was on the film Elijah's Ashes. Mm-hmm. And that can be found uh, wherever you movie. get a podcast. Great yeah. Movie. Yeah. 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 So why don't we get started? Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to take us through some analysis <laughs> of Bada Bang, Bada Bang? Uh, yeah. That, that title hurts every <laughs> time. <know>. Um, <laughs> so uh, am I correct that this is... Uh, so it, it this episode involves the character Vic Fontaine, yep. Yep. who has been on the show before. Yep. He okay. Has. This is, I mean, guys, I have hated episodes of this show before, <laughs> but this one made my eyeballs bleed. <laughs> and he is a character in the holodeck. Is yeah, that? it's okay. like a holodeck. It's a hollow suite. Hollow suite. I'm sorry. Uh, much like I believe Matthew has said before on this show, I also really hate holodeck, hollow suite episodes. Yeah. Um, the stakes are always really low, and no matter what they do to try to raise them, by having a way in which the holosuite uh, has a permanent effect on real life. You know, they always have to make it so that you can't just reboot the computer program. Yeah, right. to, you know, And they do their best. I understand the appeal, for, especially for the actors, because you get to put on great costumes and play different characters. Yeah. And as an actor, when you're playing someone who is playing someone, that actually is really wonderfully fun, I can tell you from experience. Um, but the end result for, I think maybe there are diehard fans who enjoy these flights of fancy that these episodes have, but I personally find it exhaustingly trite. Mm -hmm. And this one in particular, I mean, especially to go in the direction of this, these boring stereotyped 
cardboard caricatures of Italian Americans as members of casino gangsters. It's just, it's so, this is an extremely unimaginative episode, but that's yeah. not a synopsis. So <laughs> the idea is that Vic Fontaine is in trouble because the hollow suite has some kind of uh, uh, ghost in the machine virus, yeah, Jack, Jack in the, the box, box that yeah. pops up, which is this alternate mob boss character who's going to kill Vic Fontaine for what reason? It's not really clear. Okay, so that wasn't just me. And um, the, the characters have to band together to save him because rebooting the Hollow Suite program is just not an option. So uh, they have to get involved in his world and find a way to get the mob boss murdered in yeah. order to remove this virus, which they do by arranging the dullest, the dullest heist you've ever seen in your yeah. entire life of the casino, uh, you know, in the style of... Ocean's Eleven. Oh, the classic Ocean's Eleven, because right. the new one hadn't come out when they aired this episode. Uh, and the entire episode, at one point I was like, oh, this episode is just to get the bo that boring Dax replacement into that waitress costume. Yeah. And then Captain Avery Brooks, I kept calling him Captain Holt, because he's like the Brooklyn Nine-Nine captain, except yeah, it's yeah. not funny. <laughs> Um, uh, it's the ultimately the excuse for that entire episode is to have him sing, sing at, at the end. end of the episode. <laughs> which, if you thought Sophie Trudeau singing was was painful to listen to, <laughs> you you haven't seen anything yet. So um, anyway, so that and and also the excuse to have this character actor who I guess is like a Tony Bennett knockoff to also mm, yeah. sing. Um, but I found the whole thing particularly uninspired and dull. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I I agree. I mean, I as you noted, I hate Hollow Suite or Hollow Deck mm. episodes. As you say, the stakes are just so low, and there is this feeling that it's it's almost like watching someone else's dream. You know, like where someone else finds this also fascinating, but you are just like lost. Like I don't know why this is supposed to be fascinating or charming. Yeah. Um, I also always find it super like straight like um like a straight guy kind of thing like mm -hmm. this fascination with 1950s like mob guys is is so not interesting to me um particularly like you know this show at its best kind of can approach things in a kind of almost queer way sometimes mm -hmm. like when they're talking about uh dax and her past and everything like that it does kind of bring something interesting and different to it but this is so like like, I know it's Iris Stephen Bear, who's the showrunner at this point. It's like his hobby horse, and mm -hmm. he's like, this is what I want to do. And yeah. and everyone else is just like... And as you say, the, the actors probably were like, they loved it. Sure. Because they get well, to Well, Kira do gets something. to wear a different dress in every scene, and she looks great in all of them. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, I, and yeah, they love this chance to do something different, and they're kind of just playing at, at their what, roles. What, not... What's unique about this, about this hollow suite episode is that they feel a need to apologize for this fantasy right yeah so avery brooks's character uh cisco doesn't want anything to do with it because it takes place in 1962 in las vegas yeah. and he says race relations were terrible there was horrible racism there if you were black and you were basically like in a you know um you were not in las vegas to have fun right. you were there to to uh, provide a service to everybody else to have fun and horrible racism etc so you have this weird uh speech in the middle of the episode where they keep doing these episodes like everyone's having fun in vegas in, in the early 60s 
and then he makes the point that for him, this is this is just whitewashing the right. Whitewashing exactly, the it is which, whitewashing. Yeah, uh, which he's correct about, except he's emotionally invested it, invested in it in a way that someone three hundred years mm. in the future, I don't believe, would be as emotionally invested. I yeah. believe it when you're four decades into the future, five of them as we yeah. are now. But three hundred years from now, I don't know that it's it's like talking about ancient Rome. Like I yeah. don't know about anybody who gets particularly fired up talking about yeah. the injustices of ancient Rome, even if it is something that they are connected to. I, I, yeah, I, I, I thought that the like the basic idea of kind of thinking, oh, maybe can we have this fantasy? Is it okay? And it's kind of meta because you're watching a fantasy show, right? Yeah. Kind of interesting. But the dialogue itself looked like they had copy and pasted something from a, from an essay, yeah. like a student essay. The Also, the reason I had an issue with that scene, because it it's a smartly written scene and his mm -hmm. wife really gives him a great perspective from her point of view. Yeah. I didn't realize he had a wife did she show up she's later in the a, show she's not a she's wife not a, yeah. she's his girlfriend oh. but it's uh yeah it's penny johnson and she's from um do you remember the gary shandling show i think so yeah she's wonderful although she kind of stands out she looks a bit too like um modern urban woman to me like there's not, like she looks like she uh she runs a law firm or something like there's something about her that doesn't quite fit into the star trek universe for me yeah. sure i love her i think she's a great yeah no she's uh, good i just uh, there's something about her that didn't quite um hmm. blend in for me but but the reason why that scene uh was a little bit ridiculous to me is the fact that it's Star Trek, which means that we know the audience knows that they are watching the Star Trek characters' version of the past, mm -hmm. and so I don't think that when you're watching Star Trek, you're going to be like, "Oh, it wasn't really like that." I do have that problem when I watch a lot of Hollywood movies that have been made that show the past in a way that it is not mm -hmm. that is not the case, such as every Mel Gibson movie, like The Patriot, is a movie in which. Um, there is slavery, but he pays his slaves, even though that would have actually gotten mur him murdered at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And they present race relations in a way that is incorrect. I find that infuriating because it is a movie that pretends, portends to be um, uh, historically accurate. Yeah. And it's actually insulting to an entire population of people who yeah. have greatly suffered throughout America's history. Yeah. Um, and when we when we were we were soldiers is another movie of his yeah. that he did, which is like there's a lot of a lot of movies about or The Help is another movie where it's just like um, uh, every, there's only one mean white girl and everybody else just is sort of like lazy and goes along with it, which again mm -hmm. is not an accurate representation of the evils of America's past. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I just found it interesting that in this sci-fi show where we actually know that it's not accurate, they were making that excuse, which I didn't think was necessary, but I don't know, maybe there were I, other I, audience members who... I suppose they do it because we've seen previous episodes that take place in the 50s, yeah. where, where Cisco is a black um, sci-fi writer, and, and, and he, faced and he faces horrible discrimination. And this is supposed to take place in 62, and, and, and all of a sudden, like, everything's okay. So yeah. I, I suppose they But guess. it takes place in, like, a, like, the whole thing takes place in... A situation that is not really real, but that you know from the movies, yeah. which is like gangsters in a casino, well, well, and then you have these is, characters who are yeah. like sci-fi aliens, also taking part the, in it. So, the the other issue is that they bring up this thing where you know Las Vegas '62, not a good place if you're an African American, and then it's in this fantasy with this Italian American caricature where they're all gangsters, right. like, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to murder each other, which is like one of them yeah. played by the great character actor Mike Starr. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Tony Chichi yeah. in this, yeah. yeah. And Mark like, Lawrence as well, yeah. who plays the old, old—I um, can't remember his name—the character, but 
Uh, Mark he, Lawrence, uh, Mr. Zemo. That's, that's right. Who, he is. who is uh, in a bunch of James Bond movies? He's in like one billion movies, I think, yeah. on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Gal uh, for Michael Galron is in this episode as one of the accounting clerks, the one that's mean to Esri. Oh, I didn't he, know that. And he has no makeup on. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, he, so. I didn't recognize him. So yeah, um, I I also thought this episode was weird because mm. it's basically like a bunch of people playing a video game, and it's like like when Esri gets a job as a waitress, mm. it's like that. There was a period of time when Michael um, used to play this video game, and it in the video game he had to get a job. Yeah, and he would that just was spend a great game. hours and hours working at this job. It was, uh, oh my gosh. It was <laughs> called Privilege. Yeah, it was called And it was like, I was like so mystified as to why Michael would like this, but it I was mean, a Sega Dreamcast game and I cannot remember the name of it. It takes, it's, a Japanese game. So yeah, I was, I was, a, jizz I, I was, uh, I was a forklift operator. Oh, oh what was wow, that? Your dream anyway, life anyway, is we're getting dangerous. a sequel to it. Oh, yeah. you're taking me back now. I, yeah. Gonna... Any case. So Esri, uh, you know, she has a job in real, in real life, mm. uh, but she's going to spend, you know, I guess eight hours a day working at a, as a waitress at a bar. Yeah, in she, a, got, a like, what she is really she got do? ripped off on that <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, because if she's going to work her way into being able to deliver drinks into the vault, yeah. she has to be working there for a while. So well, yeah. here's the here's a real problem I had with this episode, <laughs> and I get that it's only forty minutes long, and there's only so much you can do. But the pleasure of heist movies is in the planning, the trials, the failures, mm. and then the execution. Yeah, and this episode has so much talking before and after and there's virtually nothing that happens with the heist planning other than uh, chalkboard and pointing at it and I mean and then of course they show their plan and then they show and then there's problems yes, in the yeah. execution but for some reason it never actually like indulged in the pleasure of doing all of that it was although I did enjoy that Cisco's girlfriend what's her name uh, Penny Penny, um, in the in the planning version, mm. when she says, I'm going to start crying and turn on the waterworks, and she cries like I Love Lucy uh, <laughs> for that very hot security guard. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was an attractive security it, guard. It, yeah. it was such a ridiculously baroque like operation. I mean, why, why does she have to pass the the drinks to Bashir to put the drop in? Why can't she just do it herself? Yeah. Like, none of it made sense. Yeah, it was so that, um, you know... They were when, all when, involved. When yeah. They were all involved. Yeah. And when there I'm was a, a part problem. of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I loved how they gave him Ipecac. Poor guy. Like, Ipecac is the worst, Yeah, right? it is the worst. We all, we all <laughs> saw Anna Green Gables, we know. Um, but also, so that by the time you get to the night of, and they do that Ocean's Eleven walk to the camera, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a hilarious thing to do. But I felt like the episode hadn't quite earned it. Yeah. And also, Penny's wearing bad shoes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't, I actually was fine with, I found it extremely boring all the way through. I found the actual heist moments more interesting because, you know, they were trying to complicate it and there was some like tension there, <laughs> yeah, but I just reminded you remember, uh, sorry, the, the, the Esri had to serve drinks for hours. O'Brien got strip searched. Yes. That is not right. a fun video game. Well, maybe it is fun for, you know, depending, but, but that, <laughs> that sucks. I yeah. have also learned, because I have not been keeping up with this show, because, um, yeah. Uh, but I have learned, <laughs> listening to your program, 
that at this point in the series, uh, Odo and Kira have become a couple. Yes. Which uh, you guys gave me two episodes in which that is not at all dealt with except for one shot in this episode mm. where they're getting ready for their night on the town. And he's in a tux and he kisses her shoulder in the mirror. Yeah. Which is like watching my parents have sex. I'm sorry, those two. I know. Was, yeah. she di- was she divorced from Bashir in real life at this point? And that's why they didn't... Like, was that a... Oh, I, I don't know why they didn't get together. Or they, were they div- I don't know what their timeline was when they split up as a couple. Or... I, I don't know. I think they might have been split up at this point. Mm. Uh, but I don't know for certain. Um, also, her hairstyle. Wow. Take me back to the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the over the it's side. Not, I, it's not a good look. She I was like better it. with the shoulder I, hair. I like it too. I, it's, trust me. It's a vast improvement on, on what she had It before. doesn't look good with her... Um, Nose, her nose, nose ridges. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, with her, the shape of her nose, it doesn't mm. look good to have that hairstyle. Yeah, I mean, yes, we all know I hate, I hate Vic Fontaine. I, as I've said in a previous episode, I wish he was just an alien that had. His How own... many episodes has he been on at this point? Oh my god, it's like six or seven. Because that character is not in the least bit interesting, oh and so they're going through all this trouble to save him when he's really just a computer program made no sense to me at all. Oh, like totally. I didn't feel I didn't feel the need for it. I felt like someone like Nog who did go through like a real emotional moment with uh, Vic that does make sense. Mm. But it is like this is just a video game, right? He is just a uh, hologram and it is like I was recently also watching the Star Trek Next Generation episode mm-hmm. um, the game recently mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. is hilarious cuz it is basically like Pokemon. Yeah. They're all just playing Pokemon all mm. the way through. And this is kind of like a version of the game. They're all like so obsessed with this game so much that they start neglecting their real life, right? They're all, the entire senior staff is in a hollow suite yeah. for several hours. In the middle of a war. In yeah. the middle of a war. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well, like, and I also, this is absurd. But I also don't understand what's the emotional connection to him. It's not like um, when we all, when we watch Mrs. Doubtfire and like we know that that's a fake character within the world of a movie but because she reminds us all of our grandmothers we love this character and so we don't want her to see her go away like what is the connection with this 20th century stereotype for these characters because he just seems like a filler character in a in one of the many simulations you can do on that program he doesn't seem like he's not fatherly to any of them in the episode that I saw anyway to say that I understand that Mm. There's a wisdom that comes from this particular character yeah. or an emotional connection that they cannot lose him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, especially since the they, thing that threatens him is just another stereotype of, they, of Italian-American they, they, gangsters. In, so. in earlier episodes, they've explained this program as being a unique uh, Hollow Sweet program he's where like, his, his own like, character is more... He's He has more agency indif- than other characters. He's right. been able to take over communications, shut himself off, and not turn back on he's a bit like the doctor from voyager yeah remember the doctor so he's a bit like that he's supposed to pretend i remember the doctor yes absolutely yeah Yeah, he's 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 closer to an actual um um, sentient being sentient being yeah Yeah. which is which is what what uh cisco's uh which is what penny says in this that that you know he's actually real to her I kind of get that, to, to be honest. But then we get to the end where he sings and he invites Captain Cisco up. <laughs> oh, I know. And I... Cisco sings like when so Fresh weird. Prince makes fun of the way Carlton sings. Yeah. Like, he, he's so, like, stiff. And he sings like this. I'm like, this is the guy who everyone around, everyone's singing happy birthday to you. And there's one guy in the corner like, happy birthday. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, relax. <laughs> Just, like, relax. It sounds like a, it's, it sounds kind of like a strangely... Like classically trained 
Well, she probably is, but like, like there's a jazz, a jazz or an old timey jazz. But there's something vocalist. to be said for knowing, knowing the, knowing yeah. how to modulate yourself to the genre that you're. It's singing. not a, it's not a, like a swinging sixties crooner right. style. No. That's for yeah, sure. No, yeah. no. Uh, Kevin wasn't watching this episode, but he was um, listening to it because he was doing work, and he was like, "This guy sounds like Kermit," <laughs> 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 which I think is. A good thing to end Aww. on. Uh, so why don't we move on to Inter Arma Enem Silent Legis, okay. which of course is an absurd title. Um, <laughs> would you like to do the synopsis? For well, I would, but I can't because I watched this and I really didn't understand this episode. And I think it's because it involves uh, characters and situations that are in okay. previous episodes that I didn't quite... But what I gathered mm -hmm. is that um, there is this... Uh, Federation version of the CIA or internal yeah. affairs of some kind. Yeah, Section Thirty One. Section Thirty One, and uh, so uh, the key, this key figure in Section Thirty One, played by William Sadler, the great yeah. character actor, most famous for his role in the Shawshank Redemption, probably, mm -hmm. and the Green Mile, um, shows up in Bashir's bedroom. There's a lot of scenes of uh, cute little Bashir in his uh, in his blue pajamas because something's <laughs> never changed yeah. in the future. I like those pajamas. I've yeah, seen. and uh, and he he Bashir is about to go to a medical conference of some kind. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's going to go to a conference on Romulus. Right, and, and, and Romulus is uh, currently at peace with the Federation, but it's a very shaky peace. Right, mm -hmm. and then uh, Section Thirty One guy. What was his name? Slate or Sloan? Sloan. Sloan. He. Um, he manipulates Bashir into reporting on some key Romulan figure's health. Yep. Mm -hmm. Is that what it was? I, Val, honestly, yeah. the, the jargon in this scene was so confusing to me that I didn't quite... I and understand. so, and so, uh, and so Bashir... I can't remember the reason why he was compelled to actually like work as something of a double agent. Yeah. And goes to the conference and then hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of this episode? Um, I liked it. Uh, and I liked it well enough. I, I feel like this season is just not good. I feel like there's a reason why this is the last season, which is that the bloom is off the rose on this show. Mm. Even for... I mean, I, I was never a particular big fan of the show as you know but even i feel like Just even re-listen to some of those episodes i feel like even people who love the show uh, can tell that and omar mentioned this in your last episode as well that that uh uh the show has sort of lost its pizzazz uh, for sure at this point um i saw the phantom of the opera in its ninth year at, at uh the pantages theater and i had seen it in its first year and you could tell that everyone in it had been in it that entire nine years, which is that oh, they were wow. doing their job, they were singing their songs, but like the feet were not jumping off that stage with any mm. kind of uh, particular inspiration. Mm. Everything was like on time, but a bit tired. And that's how I feel about this show, which is that everyone is not phoning it in, but like they've gotten in a rut of some kind. And so this episode is an example of that, which is that it's it's well written and it's it's not boring. And it also is like, much more true to Star Trek stuff yeah. than the previous episode I watched, oh, totally, but yeah. I wasn't I wasn't blown away in any way either. Um, yeah, especially because I, I was it, it was a bit too tech heavy for me, and I was confused. I understand, and there's a lot of uh, it, this is a uh, one where there's a lot of continuity, right? There's a lot of stuff that if you're not if you're just dipping in, you're just going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And also. They mention at some point uh, they they say oh section thirty one is a hoax but that's not true right yeah okay so I actually I liked this episode um, I thought there was like one or two things that I wish were a little bit different but I liked it because um, one of the things that they've been doing in Deep Space Nine that's kind of interesting for me is 
um, showing that, you know, the Federation is often portrayed as this benevolent organization that has basically figured out all the problems in, mm. in our universe and therefore should never be really questioned because it's always right. And this episode is really about, you know, the guardians that keep that, like as uh, Sloan says at the end, I'm here to make sure that good people can still be good. Right. And, but I'm doing the stuff that you can't do. Right. Yeah. And I like that. I like that idea uh, in the kind of the, the universe of the Federation. Mm. And, um, there's some aspects to the plot that I was like, oh, this is not the best, but I did like it. I thought yeah, it was the, interesting. Yeah, this episode ticks off a lot of boxes. It ticks off all the boxes. I, I don't know that it all, I don't know that it equals the sum of its parts, but uh, but it's good. I also liked uh, the character of... Um, Sloan? Kretak? Kretak, played by the great Adrienne Barbeau, yeah. former spouse of uh, director John Carpenter and star of many of his movies in the 70s and 80s. She's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and I'm really, I hope that they bring her back. I hope that they haven't re permanently removed uh, her character. So, yeah. Um, she once posed for a poster in her purple lingerie that uh, almost outsold Farrah Fawcett's. Uh, really? But yeah, bathing suit photo. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Adrian Barbeau was quite the hot little number in her in her day. Well, and I mean, this is this is one of the exciting things that happens on these shows is you know uh, they can bring on amazing character actors and mm -hmm. they character actors can really bring a lot to their roles. You know, it is so hard to act with so much makeup on your mm -hmm. face yep. and to be able to present a character that's interesting and engaging with just. Like, basically, your eye movements and a little bit of your mouth movements is, is yeah. a great thing. That's very true. Um, what did you think, Michael? I, I also actually liked it. As Matthew was saying, I think Deep Space Nine really excels at, at kind of putting a lot of pressure on the ideas of the Federation and Starfleet and just saying in a time of war what would actually happen. And, and the, yeah. the idea of Section uh, 31 is interesting. And I, I thought that... Um, the writing was pretty strong in this. I, it was a lot of twists, and I yeah. and I liked, but, and and I did like I did like the ending where Admiral uh, Ross. Admiral Ross, who is not a member of Starfleet Intelligence or Section Thirty One, he represents, you know, the the good people basically, and yeah. he decides in the end to side with Section uh, Thirty One. I thought that was a good choice. Yeah, my only thing was I don't think Senator Kretak, like a real senator, would um, go would commit treason based upon what some random person was saying to her. Right. I found that kind of unbelievable. I found that confusing as well. Yeah. Like, I feel like she wouldn't do that. Mm. But, um, and and it was a little convenient how, like, Sloan and, uh, got off the planet. And, like, you know, he is a little bit too powerful as a character. Like, he can just do all this magic stuff in some ways. Mm. So there's that aspect that I wasn't the, that excited by. But I, I like, I thought this was actually, you know, I was watching it. I was uh, paying attention to it. I wasn't like bored and trying to, you know, I was, it was engaging. Yeah. I also, um, uh, I appreciate that they brought back the quickening. They, they did this kind of one-off episode. I don't even remember what season it was, but, mm -hmm. but basically it's the Dominion has introduced this virus on this planet where 
everybody it's like logan's run you hit a certain age and then you just die yeah that's it and uh and he was there to kind of create a vaccine so now the romulans want to use it as a biogenic weapon see that's your nerdy side i wasn't that excited <laughs> about the quickening uh revamp um i loved the uh, extremely boring powerpoint presentation he was giving to that little uh, <laughs> entourage like like they can't do something more sexy than just pointing at some screen here yeah. you know? like, what is that like, it's like something I do in my classrooms now. Um, yeah, that was uh, a little boring. Um, I liked how they just used the Voyager sets because uh, they're like, hey, let's use a different set. Let's just use Voyager. Mm. That's pretty cool. Um, but Good otherwise, budget saving technique. Yeah. I think there are some nice little touches like uh, Garrick refers to how he poses a gardener as a spy, which I guess is a John Le, John Le Carre reference. Yeah. Um, Apparently this is this is inspired by kind of like a John Le Carre mm. novel um, where it's about like an East Berlin kind of thing where yeah. like there's one uh, official who's kind of pro- uh, the West, but they they actually want the one who seems like he's not pro the West right, to, right. to succeed. Yeah, but there's also nothing less exciting than a John Le Carre yeah. story. Like they, <laughs> they always they often make uh, they they turn them into sober, intelligent, and not particularly exciting movies because he always meant to be the anti James Bond. You mm, know? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I actually I actually like that about his stuff. I don't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just no. saying like they're they do like you. They're not Hollywood blockbusters for a no, reason. No, that's you for know. sure. Yeah. But I strongly recommend to your listeners that if they have not seen The Spy Who Came In From The Cold with Richard Burton, that is the mm. best John Le Carre adaptation I have seen yet. Um, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to kill it. No, no, no. I actually liked... What was the Gary Oldman one? where he, That one's uh, good too. Tinker Taylor, Taylor Soldier yeah, Spy. I thought that was great. Uh, that it was, was, it was the, the closest to The Spy Who Came In From The Cold as you've gotten but, they build yeah. up all this tension at mm -hmm. the end and mm -hmm. he actually takes out a gun in the yeah. end and then nobody sorry spoiler yeah alert. spoiler alert sorry, Michael, I won't so. say anything. Uh, but yeah that episode this episode does it's just a lot of kind of tension mm -hmm. and talking and political intrigue yeah it's just for someone who comes into it without having seen the episodes oh, no, oh, yeah, I, I, I was yeah. like lost at sea the entire yeah. time yeah because for me part of the excitement was this feeling of like you know a good spy thriller is about destabilizing someone so much so that they don't know what up is, up is down and so on. Right. Mm. And, uh, and that kind of happens to Bashir. Like he doesn't know what's really happening. Right. And, and that's what a good, a good spy thriller is about is about that almost reality kind of coming unhinged. Yeah. And John mm. LeCarré's stories are always about ordinary people being thrust into extraordinary circumstance. And that's also what happens mm. to Bashir, which is that yeah. he's like way in over his head from the very beginning. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's all I have to say about it. Wow. <laughs> yes, did, that's it. Did you have anything further? You said you had like some little notes that you wanted to bring up? No, no, that's it. I mean, the title Latin um, terrible. is ter terrible, but it, you know, in times of war, the laws fall silent or, or like there's other translations of it. Yeah. Like laws are meaningless when people are armed or have weapons. Uh, but it's, it's playing into that whole um, Romulans or Romans right they always bring that back um and also they name their ship the the bellerophon yeah which is kind of a tragic character no no he it? was the one who rode uh, pegasus yeah but he was killed because he rode pegasus to no. mount olympus and then zeus struck him dead mm, or no. struck him down wasn't he it? used he used pegasus to kill a monster yeah but at the end he thought he was like a you know um, a god so he tried to fly to I anyways i didn't read it until the I'm, end. I'm talking out of my ass right now <laughs> 
But yeah, I have nothing else to say about this okay. episode. Um, so I think that wraps it up for this week. So uh, Bill, why don't you once again let our listeners know where they can uh, hear more of your wonderful words. Uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so Bad Gay Movies, Bitchy Gay Men is available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And I also have a podcast uh, that uh, both of you have been on, which mm. is uh, called My Criterions, which is mm-hmm. me going through the Criterion collection one film at a time. And relating personal stories uh, connected to the films, and I'm at, I think I have about, I have about 80, 80 something episodes of that yeah. also available. So uh, that's also available wherever you listen to podcasts. We're available mm-hmm. on Podknife and Stitcher now. So yeah, and um, and that's well, that. Bill, and my you, film I, reviews are at myoldaddiction.com, including a review of every single Star Trek movie. <laughs> thank, thank you once again for coming on to talk about your favorite my television pleasure. show. It was uh, worth yeah. every visit to a transfer <laughs> station I could, yeah. I could hit in are this you, vast, you, glorious galaxy of ours. Yeah. yeah. Are you and, taking uh, a transporter back? Or are you, I am, yeah. You I plan to go right? back as slow as I came. Yeah. I, I am a, a man of the world universe. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, if, if you do catch up with uh, with Admiral Antonyu on uh, Risa or any of the Outer Worlds, you know, say hi. I'm yeah. sure he'd be uh, happy. And to if you're hot, you. say more. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll wrap it up there. Um, I do want to thank uh, uh, Admiral Antonyu for coming on again. It's my pleasure. He's, thank you for having me. Yeah, he's such an amazing uh, guest. And um, as always, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or you can email us at rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye.